Wellness and Radio listeners, we have got something very special in the pipeline. Uh, Ladies, we are launching on the 1st of September. Again, we're doing our 28-day hormone reset program. We are so excited to share that with you. We thought we'd give you a little bit more lead time uh, this time around to join us for that. We have had some phenomenal changes with women so far. We have loved connecting with you in our online forum and seeing everybody's changes and hearing about it as well. It's been pretty amazing. And we are guaranteeing that you're going to love this program. Why? Because it's not just a program about lifestyle and diet. It's just going to be something that is about joining other women on the journey. So it's, you know, that sort of community that helps you change your life because you see other people doing it too. It's going to keep you inspired and keep you on board. Real recipes that, uh, you know, resonate with how easy it is to make good food for yourself at home. For people who are pushed and busy and tired and overexhausted and things, this is not going to stress you out. You're going to have plenty of options and that's what this uh, 28 day hormone reset is all about it's not just resetting your hormones it's resetting your views and your beliefs and your uh, I guess picture around what help is and so we are including things like exercise programming and food and nutrition and mindset and you know how you can change your lifestyle into a low-tox lifestyle that's going to support your hormonal journey so we know that you're going to love this program we hope that uh, you want to find out more go online onto our website www.thewellnesswomen.com.au forward slash e-courses for the program or just have a look into our website and follow the links to our 28 day reset page and you can read all about that and more so we look forward to joining you through the month of september it's with us all the way through and uh, we'll be there to support you thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your life welcome to wellness women radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health work and play Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Good morning, good evening, good day, all our gorgeous listeners around the world. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And I think we are really going to give you someone uh, today on a, as a guest on our show who is going to bend your minds and change the way you see the world because I know this gentleman is certainly uh, an absolute uh, gem in the world that we move in and we just couldn't wait to share it. We actually had to wait six months to be able to share him with you. This man is hard to get. So <laughs> we're really, uh, really Really honoured to have our guest today is Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, PhD. Now, this gentleman is a cell biologist and lecturer, and he's internationally recognised leader in bridging the, I guess, the interesting and emerging fields of science and spirit. And he comes out of uh, some incredible education through universities in America, Wisconsin School of Medicine, um, and he's done groundbreaking stem cell research at Stanford University. So anyone who knows name dropping is like, whoa, okay. And he's actually the <laughs> best-selling author of The Biology of Belief, which is a Bible on our bookshelf. So ladies, if you don't have it, this is a book that must be on your bookshelf. And he's the author of The Honeymoon Effect and also uh, a co-author of Spontaneous Evolution. I need to pick that book up, Bruce. That sounds really cool. Um, and he's also received an incredible honor, the 2009 prestigious Goy Peace Award through Japan in honor of his scientific contribution to world harmony. And we cannot Thank you enough for being on the show this morning. Thank you so much, Bruce. Welcome to Wellness Win Radio. 
I, I am so excited to be here with the both of you. You, you have that energy that uh, excites the world and you have such good messages and your work is so important because it's, it's really part of the evolution that is going on on this planet right now is waking people up to how powerful they really are because um, we are powerful. That's why it's so cool. <laughs> and ladies, it's about uh, about 5 a.m. where we're recording right now, uh, just because of the time difference between us and Bruce. But from the instant that he came on our video, it was like, right, uh, we're ready to go. He's just got the most beautiful infectious energy. And as soon as I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, this uh, brings back such nostalgia from my university days. So uh, Dr. Bruce was actually, uh, we had the honor of him being our immunology teacher at the New Zealand College of Chiropractic. And I was actually in um, his first inaugural class there. Bruce, our class was the one that gave you the green stone. Um, do yes. you remember your, your green stone? And oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a, it's wonderful because uh, in New Zealand story, of course, you uh, gifting the green stone is how you get yes. one. And to get it from the whole class, that was um, quite a, a, an honor. And, and, and how wonderful because I so enjoyed going uh, to New Zealand uh, uh, in a world that's so upside down and finding uh, what the future world is all about. I mean, I think it was Edgar Cayce and Buckminster Fuller. Both of those are futurists that have big names. Uh, and they both said that New Zealand would be the template for a uh, world to come when world changes are coming. Well, world changes are here. And my wow. God, when you have a 37-year-old woman uh, as the prime minister uh, and she has... Yeah. Uh, a baby and she's not even married now that's talking liberal and that's Isn't that amazing future. and yeah. so uh, i'm honored to be connected with new zealand and it was really funny uh because when we started the immunology class not all of us knew who you were and we would have like the most infectious classes which is funny for immunology there was no pun intended there but just, <laughs> and the attendance to that class was better than anything else i always remember looking around the room going wow everybody's here and then all of a sudden we would have people standing at the back so all the other lecturers would come in and sit in on the classes as would all of the other students from different year levels so i'm like okay something special is happening here <laughs> It was it was pretty amazing. Uh, it was uh, it was wonderful to uh, as again to teach um, the students in New Zealand. Uh, you know, coming from the U.S. Uh, uh, and entering New Zealand and say, "Wow, what a wonderful place to teach!" Because the people are so open and willing to to share, see new information, uh, and and move into the future. And that's uh, that's what we need right now for the whole planet to understand. And Bruce, would you just be able to share with our listeners how you got to be where you are now? Because your story is so fascinating. Um, so I'm going to let you you describe that, please. <laughs> okay. Uh, firstly, um, I was working on stem cells. Now, everybody's heard of stem cells, but I was working on them uh, 51 years ago, 1967. I'm sure you remember. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, and at that time, uh, there was only a handful of us on the entire planet that even knew what a stem cell was. And so I was in the right place working, uh, cloning stem cells. And that's a very special process. That's where you just isolate one stem cell, put it in a Petri dish by itself. 
but it divides every 10 hours about. So first there's one, then there's two and four, and it keeps doubling and doubling. And after a week, I've got 30,000 cells in the Petri dish. And what's most important about this is that all 30,000 came from one parent. So all 30,000 were genetically identical cells. Now, uh, a little backstory. While I'm doing this research at the university, I'm also teaching students uh, about the nature of uh, genetic control, uh, which is the idea that genes turn on and off and they regulate the character of your life and your body and behavior and all that. <clears throat> so I'm teaching that genes to do this automatic turning on and off and regulating themselves. Uh, and my research is going like this. So I have uh, 30,000 genetically identical cells. I split them into three Petri dishes. So all the dishes have the same genetic cells. But I changed the culture medium combination. And since I synthesize it, I can mix some of the different chemicals together. And um, let me just say why culture medium is, is the equivalent of blood. Mm. Uh, and so I'm changing the chemistry of the equivalent of blood. That's what the cells grow in. Uh, and so I have three different culture media, but three, three Petri plates, all of the same cells. So I feed each Petri plate with a different culture medium. So each plate has its own environment, but all the plates have the same genetic cells. Uh, in one culture medium, the cells form muscle. In another culture medium, the cells form bone. In a third culture medium, the cells form fat cells. Well, a very important question comes here and it says, well, what controls the fate of the cells? Well, I'm teaching genes control the fate of the cells. And what am I showing is all the cells have the same genes, but the fate was determined by the culture medium, the contents of the equivalent of the blood. And so the control wasn't in the cell. The, the control was being controlled. The cell was being controlled by the chemistry of the blood. Uh, and so you go, well, why is this relevant? I say, it doesn't make a difference if the cells in the plastic dish are inside your body. Uh, your body has 50 trillion cells. Your body is a skin-covered Petri dish, and it has the original culture medium called blood. So here's the point. It doesn't make a difference if the cell is in the plastic dish or the skin dish. Its fate is controlled by the chemistry of the culture medium, the chemistry of the blood. So now I go back to the human body and I go, well, what controls my genes? I say, the idea that genes turn on and off and control themselves is completely false, 100% com false. Mm -hmm. What controls the genes is the chemistry of the blood. And then you have to take this one step further and then say, well, who's the chemist? Who, who creates the chemistry of the blood? And I say, the brain. And then I say, now the next question is like, like well, blow your mind. <laughs> the idea is, okay, the brain is making the chemistry. The chemistry is controlling the genetics and the behavior. And I say, well, what, what chemistry should come from the brain? I say, whatever the picture in the mind is. If you have a, I'll give you an example. If you're sitting there right now and you open your eyes and you see someone you love, your brain releases chemistry to match the picture. Picture of love, oh, chemistry is, has got dopamine pleasure in it. It's got oxytocin bonding in it. It's got vasopressin, makes you more attractive to your partner to keep that love going. And, and it's got growth hormone. And you say, well, what's significant is I say, when those chemicals are added to the culture medium, the blood, the cells thrive. I mean, that's when you say, oh, look, see, they're in love. They glow. I go, where's the glow? I go, health. Love chemistry is health chemistry. I say, okay, wait. So I just made blood culture chemistry based on a picture of love. I say, yeah, but 
what if I open my eyes and I see something that scares me? I go, oh, well, that chemistry is not coming out of the brain. Now, uh, chemistry of protection, stress chemistry is coming out of the brain because you're going to have to get in protection, fight or flight. And so there's stress hormones from the adrenal gland. There are factors that shut down the immune system when you're under stress. And I go, oh, the blood of a person under stress has different composition than the blood of the person in love. And since the composition of the blood determines the fate of the cells, then all of a sudden you see the most important point, and that is simply this. If we want to um, uh, con control our biology, we have to control our thoughts and our mind because the mind is the ultimate source of what controls genes. That's the new science that I discovered when putting a, a genetically identical cells in different environments and seeing that the environment controlled the genes. That's the new science called epigenetics. Now, you say, well, genetics, epigenetics, it all sounds the same. And I go, no, 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 no. When I say genetic control, the old belief, that simply means control by genes. When I say epigenetic control, the new one, epi means above. So the skin is called epidermis. It's the layer above the dermis. So when I say epigenetic control, I am saying control above the genes and all of a sudden we say now what is it well the control now is your mind your mind's controlling it based on what you perceive what you believe and if you change your mind you change your genes uh, and i say why is this relevant back up because most people need to hear this again and again genes are not i'll use the more scientific word uh, genes are not self-actualizing that means genes do not control their own action. They're just blueprints. I say a gene is actually a blueprint to make a protein, and the proteins are the building blocks of our body. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, you're looking at a protein machine, more or less, and that the protein, about 100,000 of them, uh, need blueprints, and the blueprints are called genes. So the relevance about that is then a gene is a blueprint to make a protein, fact. And I say, then why is that relevant? And I say, go into an architect's office. She's working on a blueprint. You ask her, you say, is your blueprint on or off? And then she look at you like, what are you, crazy? Is a, is a blueprint, there's no on and off. I go, precisely, exactly, that's a story. A gene is a yeah. blueprint. But what's the point? It doesn't control itself. There's no cancer gene that causes cancer. That's a belief system. That's totally wrong. Genes are controlled by signals from the outside. So the, the genes are the blueprints. The mind is the contractor. That's the one who calls up the blueprints. And I say, yeah, but what are you building? I say, well, are you building a body made on love or are you building a body made on fear? I say, oh, well, that's a different building. Uh, and depending on where your mind is, you change your genes. So number one, Genes do not turn on and off. <laughs> okay. Uh, number two, the activity of genes can change in eight hours based on just what you're doing in your world. That In eight hours, I can change the reading of my genes. So the idea that my genes are predicting my future, I go, absolutely not. <laughs> Why? Mm -hmm. They're being, they're being changed dynamically day by day by whatever the heck you're doing and responding in your life. The idea of biology is, look, the environment is always changing, so biology has to be able to change 
with the environment, what's going on? If it's cold out, you have a, a different metabolism. When it's warm out, you got another metabolism. Oh, it's changing. I go, the control is not from the inside. The control is from the nervous system and the mind. And, and this becomes so important because when you talk to people and we and understand their psychology about it, there's a big issue. M most people's thoughts are not very positive. <laughs> the 70% of our thoughts are pretty damn negative about, oh my God, will I be able to do this? Will we have enough money? Will I stay healthy? W will this happen? Is there going to be a war? Is there going to be food? All day long, 24-7, 365, these scary thoughts are coming in. I go, well, what's the result of a scary thought? And the answer is big, big. <laughs> Here's the point. When the, the, a cell has an opportunity to be in growth or a cell can be in protection, but it can't be in both at the same times because they have two different behaviors. <laughs> growth, you have to be open to the outside, take things in, whether it's food, whether it's love, whether whatever you want to take in to grow, you have to be open and take it in. And if there's anything that is supporting your growth, you'll move to it. So let's say there's a stimulus of growth. I say two things have to happen. One, you're going to move to the stimulus, take it in. And two, you have to be open to do that. I say, and what about the protection? I go, oh, if there's something that causes protection, you don't run to it. You run away from it to go the opposite direction. Growth to <laughs> protection away. And then what else? Oh, protection. You don't stay open. You stay closed. Why? It's protecting yourself. So the, what's the point? You can't be closed and open at the same time. So it basically says this. When we're in a stressful situation, the stress hormones shut down the growth of the body to allow the energy to be used to run away from the threat. Let's history. Saber-toothed tiger. I got to run like hell. I say, how much energy do you want? I say, want all the energy in the world that I can get to run away from tiger. I said, well, we're using some energy for growth. And I go, no, okay, stop the growth, save the energy for running. The other one, and this is very critical, is the immune system. The immune system uses so much energy. Think about it. When people are sick, they don't even get out of bed. <laughs> so basically it says, okay, now consider there's a saber-toothed tiger chasing me and I have a bacterial infection. What's more important at this moment? <laughs> Obviously, a hell with a bacteria. I mean, if the tiger catches you, <laughs> bacteria not your problem anymore. So yeah. basically, what it says is this. When stress hormones are put into the system, they shut down the growth of the system and maintenance, <laughs> growth and maintenance, and they shut down the immune system because the immune system uses too much energy. So the idea is this. A stress response is fight or flight, run away from or fight when you got to fight. And I say, to do that, you need all the energy possible. So when you're facing uh, uh, an environment where stress is the source is in the environment, then you're going to inhibit your maintenance of your body and your growth, and you're going to shut down your immune system. I say, back when we first got this idea of having a protection system, the only thing we had to worry about was that saber-toothed tiger. So, you know, if you saw one 10 minutes, you run away, <laughs> you're safe. And then you can go back to growth. 
But today's world is not uh, minutes of stress. Today's world stress every day, uh, all week long, all year long. And I go, the system was never designed to be in stress for long periods of time. It was only supposed to run away from a tiger because it shuts everything else down. So on an average day life, average person's life, the stress levels are inhibiting the growth of their body. And you say, oh, is this a child? I got, no, no. A human body is made out of 50 trillion cells. I said a skin-covered Petri dish. And every day we lose hundreds and hundreds of billions of cells. Normal death. Skin cells coming off, hair falling. Oh, oh see, some of mine fell out right there. See? <laughs> I got to call, call the guys back to replace some of those. Uh, okay. But the point is this. E even the digestive tract, the lining of the digestive tract from the mouth down to the anus, it's a mile-long thing there. Um, the cells of the lining are replaced every three days. And it doesn't make a difference to your age. And you're losing hundreds of billions of cells every day. It doesn't make a difference of your age. What's the point? You cannot survive very long if you don't start replacing the cells that are dying every day, and that's the stem cells. And I say, well, what are the stem cells going to do? I say, well, are they in growth or are they in protection? Why? They have two different functions right away. And if we keep shutting down the growth, what's the result? And the answer is simply this. The entire healthcare crisis on this planet is due to stress. Uh, 1%, this is very important, 1% of disease is actually due to genetics. So it says, whoa, <laughs> well, where the heck is 90 plus percent of disease coming from? I go, stress. Uh, and the idea is, why is that relevant? Stress is something that you can affect. <laughs> it, 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 you know, if it's stress, I say, oh, well, then stress reduction techniques, meditation, <laughs> better diet. <laughs> These are things to counteract stress. I say, oh, well, then you can do something about it. I go, yes, what's the point? The old belief, genetic determinism, says my genes are going to do whatever the heck they're going to do. I'm just a victim of them. Someday they're going to turn on, maybe give me the cancer. Oh, I'm, I'm carrying the breast cancer gene. I'm going to get the cancer. And I go, oh, no. <laughs> the idea of the gene is that it's a, it's a blueprint to make something. If your life is in harmony, you won't get breast cancer. And I say, what do you mean? I say, 50% of the women that have the breast cancer gene never get the breast cancer. I say, you've got to understand a very important point. The gene doesn't cause cancer. If it caused cancer, then 100% of the women with the gene would have the cancer. And all of a sudden, I say, well, if only 50% of the women, and they all have the gene, and they didn't get the cancer, why? And the answer was, the cancer is an expression of stress. And, and when people change their lives, the, the cancer can reverse itself. It's called spontaneous remission. But if you don't change your life, uh, what causes the cancer is always causing the cancer. And you say, I'm going to cut out the cells. I say, I don't care if you cut out the cells. If you didn't change the psychology, more cells will just become cancerous later. So the idea is we have to own who we are. And we have bought a belief that Oh, I'm a genetic machine. Uh, I got these genes from my parents, and my behavior and my characters and my diseases are connected to these genes. And I go, no, <laughs> wrong. You control the genes. You could come with a cancer gene. You could come with uh, 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 any of a genetic defect gene. And in the right environment, change the output of that gene so it's not a disease-causing gene.
I say, you can do this. Oh, wait a minute. I am the powerful one. I go, yes, this is what the whole idea is. But if you don't know that you have this power, if you believe that genes are going to give you a disease, then recognize this. The power you have is because of your mind. <laughs> if your mind believes you're going to have the gene for disease, you know, for the disease, you're going to get the disease, then you're going to get it if you believe it. I go, uh, so basically, all of a sudden it says, if you've been programmed to believe you're a victim of your genes, then whatever victim program you got, unless you change your mind, will manifest because the mind's going to create the program. Uh, and this becomes important for us to recognize uh, that, that cancer is not caused by a gene. Cancer is caused by a lifestyle and, and, uh, and an inability to deal with emotional uh, issues and programming. And most of this programming was occurring from the last trimester of pregnancy through the first seven years of a child's life. This is the basic programming that a child is required to have to become a functional member of a family and a community. They have to be, they have to know the rules. So the child's mind from the last trimester of pregnancy through age seven, when they put wires on a person's head and read brain activity, a child is predominantly in theta. Theta is imagination, and, and that's what kids express. Uh, that tea party with no tea and the mud pie that tastes great and the broom that's a horse. I go, oh, that's all imagination. That's theta, but theta is hypnosis. So what's the point? We are programmed in the first seven years by observing our parents, our siblings, and our community. Just watching their behavior in a state of theta is hypnosis. I learned how to behave. I learned even how to be a mom. When did you learn how to be a mom? When you were an infant, because you were being, you were observing and being a participant in receiving mothering, and you have recorded it. So when you grow up, you're going to be pretty much the same mom as your mom was. Uh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, no, no pressure, parents. <laughs> <laughs> well, the idea is if you know something about it, you can do something about it. And if you don't yes. know anything about it, then you're a victim your whole life. And this mm. is the wake up call. That's why I'm so glad you asked me to keep talking and talking and talking uh, so I can get off enough information here to, to let people know that there's two minds that control biology. This is we're come to a big, big point. There's the conscious mind, which is the latest evolution of the brain. It's right behind your forehead called prefrontal cortex. That's, that's what makes us all different, the conscious mind. Conscious mind is our spiritual connection. That's what makes us unique. But the rest of the brain, about 90% behind there, is called subconscious. I go, oh, well, what is the difference? Ah, you better know the difference. Otherwise, the whole world don't make sense. <laughs> and here's the difference. Conscious mind is creative. It's connected to your personal identity, your spirit. And by definition, it has your wishes and desires because uh, it's the creative mind. So I say, what do you want? Whatever the heck you want is by definition creative. I want this. I want that. Okay. And then I say, and what about the subconscious mind? I go, oh, habits, basically just habits. And I say, is it evil like everyone says? I say, no. The subconscious mind is a record playback device. Uh, look at a CD recorder and say, are you evil? I said, no, it's a machine, just records. I said, but the programs could be good and the programs that you downloaded, they could be bad or good. I go, oh, so the recordings uh, comes in. Subconscious is good, give you an example. 
when did you learn how to walk before age two? You've been walking ever since? I go, yeah. Do you have to think about it? Nope. Why? Habit, automatic, subconscious. Thank you. Driving the car. Do you have to think about it anymore after driving for a while? No, you can put the key in and can completely think about where you're going to go and what you're going to do and never even pay attention to the details. I go, ah, subconscious. So now here comes the story. The programming that most people get in the first seven years by observing their parents, the, the parents don't have to coach them. Remember, the child is like a video recorder. Whatever it sees, boom, download, subconscious, turned into a program. So the idea is this. It watches the parents and the siblings, whatever. It records without even, there's no thinking process. It's just downloaded. Conscious mind's not even working yet. That works at age seven, okay? And I say, why is it relevant? Well, the programs that came in never got filtered. <laughs> they're good programs. They're bad programs. They're just programs you got. And now it turns out 70% of them are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting. So it says, in your subconscious, 70% of the programs you've got have disempowered you. you. Who do you think you are? You're not that smart. You're not that beautiful. You're not lovable. You, you don't deserve this. You're not that good. These are pa what parents say, and these get downloaded just as words not deserving, not loving, whatever I go. So you say, okay, fine, the hell with it. I'm not going to use the subconscious mind. I'm going to use my creative conscious mind, wishes and desires, manifest the life I want. I go, great. Last big point and the problem. The conscious mind is not only creative, but the conscious mind can think. I go, was it so? I say, thinking is an inside job. If I asked you right now, I say, tell me, what are you doing next Thursday at five o'clock? If you're going to look for the answer, it's not out here. It's in there. So I say, oh, so the conscious mind has to go in and think five. What am I doing? What am I doing Wednesday, Thursday? Oh, I got it. I got it. Okay. I say, where'd the conscious mind go? It went inside. So when it's thinking, it's not paying attention. Okay. So I go, what does that mean when we have a thought, we stop? I say, no, if you're walking down the street, you can have a thought. You can think all you want. You're still walking and, and you didn't hit the tree. You didn't fall off the curb. Uh, why? Subconscious is in charge. Driving a car. You can have a conversation with somebody and not even pay attention to the road for 10 minutes. And then you look at the road and go, I haven't even looked at the road, but the car is still running and you're not arrested and there's no wreckage. And it's like, oh, obviously something was good. Somebody drove the car. It's a point. When we are thinking, the conscious mind lets go of the wheel and the subconscious is autopilot because it knows how to do almost everything you do. That's a habit, walking, talking, the job you do, everything that you repeat becomes habitual. So you have programs. So it goes, here it is, scary, scary point. Hold on. 95% of the day is the amount of time our mind is in thought. 95% of the day, you play the programs from the subconscious mind. Here's the catch. You can't see the same programs you're playing. And I say, why can't I see the program I'm playing? I say, because where's your mind, your conscious mind? It's inside. So it's not observing the behavior on the outside. So the story I've told 30 plus years, same story. So I'm, uh, it's an oldie, but a goodie. Uh, and the story is this. Uh, you had a friend, you knew your friend's behavior very, very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. One day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parent, so you, you got to tell your friends, you know, you got to go, 
hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. Then you back away from Bill. <laughs> but listen, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. Well, most people know that. I say, well, that's the most profound story entire world for the simple reason is this. Everyone else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who doesn't see it is Bill. I say, how does that work? I say, well, he got the program from his dad. It's in his subconscious. He's thinking 95% of the day. And therefore, when he's playing the automatic program of his dad, everyone else can see it. He can't see it. And then the most important part of that story is we are all Bill. There's nobody out there in this world that's not Bill right now. <laughs> Every one of us is doing this. And the issue is if our programs are not supporting us, whatever our desires and wishes are in our conscious mind, when we try to go after them, but then we're operating from the habits and the subconscious mind that we got from other people, they mean their habit may never get us to our destination. Their habit created their world. And it's not what we wanted, but guess what? It's not what you wanted, but when you're not paying attention, you're playing those programs. And so basically it says, we are powerful creators, but we all have been programmed. That the programs that get us off the ground are done in the first seven years when our mind is in theta. They become subconscious programs they play automatically they play 95 percent of the day and most of them are self-sabotaging so you do the math and you realize why my life is a struggle it's because i have desires but i can't seem to get them because the invisible that's the catch the invisible subconscious behavior that you are playing that is sabotaging you you can't see it so you're ta sabotaging yourself and you can't see it there's only one solution to that problem you face and that is the outside doesn't support me nature doesn't support me it's not in my fate to have happiness uh the universe doesn't like me whatever it's like i i'm just a victim i go no no you've been the creator the entire time but 95 percent of your creation is invisible to you but you see it because it's in your face and it's right there and you've been programmed so the movie the matrix is not science fiction the movie the matrix is a documentary everyone's been programmed and you can take a blue pill and stay in the program which everybody does every day they just stay in the program but you can take the red pill and get out of the program red pill you ready you guys even took the red pill most everybody when they get to a certain age has taken the red pill at least one time and i'll tell you what it is when you fall in love when you fall in love, your life could suck every day, blah, 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 blah. And then you meet this person and 24 hours later, oh my God, life is heaven on earth. It's so beautiful. <laughs> the food is great. The music is great. Even the job that sucks, that's not even bad anymore. I go, wait, your life sucked. You meet this person 24 hours later, heaven on earth. And I go, because it was the red pill science has found out that falling in love like that keeps your conscious mind present so it doesn't think and if the conscious mind doesn't think and the conscious mind controls wishes and desires and you're not thinking then your biology is creating wishes and desires and the creation is called the honeymoon okay Ooh. and and how that happened that beautiful, joyous, juicy part of your life 
was because you were actually creating from wishes and desires, and that was your wish, and that was your desire, and look what you got. And then you say, yeah, but the honeymoon didn't last. And I go, because at some point, you still got a job. At some point, you got to pay the rent. At some point, you got to fix the car. I say, why? Why is that relevant? Because the moment those things start accumulating in your mind, you start thinking. I go, oh, what happens when I start thinking? I start playing the programs of the subconscious, 70% of which are really bad, okay? <laughs> I say, why is it relevant? Because you've had this honeymoon where you both created from wishes and desires. Now you pull out some bad programs out of the subconscious that were never there before because you didn't play programs, but now you're thinking and the program comes out and your partner looks at you when you do some of these behaviors and go, who are you? Where'd that come from? And then the arguments begin. And the reason the argument begins is because the other person didn't even know what the hell they just said because when they said it, it was a program and they were inside. So they look at you going, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. And boom, boom, honeymoon, gone. Okay. The, uh, Bruce, you've raised and answered so many questions simultaneously, and you make our job so easy. This is amazing. Um, I, so I guess my first question from that is, Bruce, how do we change the programming? Okay, this is the most important insight. I, I can't. Uh, I, I will tell you how. Okay, and um, but it's important to understand. Uh, you have to. There. Are, Okay, the subconscious downloads programs in three different ways. The first seven years, it was your mind was in theta, and that's hypnosis. Mm -hmm. Conscious mind's not working, subconscious just downloading, downloading. Point, every night when we go to bed, when our conscious brain, which is a higher vibration, starts to slow down, as soon as we go Boom, fall asleep. As soon as that moment of like consciousness disconnects, the brain is operating in theta for the next period of time. That's mm -hmm. the same as hypnosis. So if you put earphones on at night and you play a program of uh, behaviors that you want, self-help programs, mm -hmm. uh, and you put them on the, every night, as you put them on, the moment you fall asleep, your conscious mind's not listening to this. Your subconscious is now recording and a repetition of that will we'll make a new behavior, okay? Mm -hmm. After age seven, uh, the conscious mind kicks in, but we can still make subconscious programs. I say, well, how did you do it after age seven? And the answer is repetition. Whatever you wanted to learn, you had to repeat it. Like how many times mm -hmm. you had to go from A to Z before you could go from A to Z without stopping. But you kept repeating it, you kept repeating it until you could get to the end. And once you got it, guess what? Never had to repeat it again. Once you learned how to ride the bicycle, which took a lot of effort, once it's learned, it's a habit. You never have to do that again once you learn how to drive the car. So habits are repetition, okay? Mm -hmm. And so if you want a new habit, you have to make a new repetition. Uh, I, I like the new age phrase. The new age phrase is fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not a happy person, what do you do every day? You just keep saying to yourself, in spite of, exactly, I'm happy, I'm happy. And it sounds like stupid because you're not really happy, but you're saying it. I say, what's the point? Repetition all day long, day after day of I am happy. Guess what? Repetition downloads I am happy into the mind. I say, well, why is it relevant? Then when 95% of the day you're using that mind, the function is to 
make you happy. The mind is to make your beliefs real. <laughs> if I believe I'm happy, then the mind is going to create behavior to manifest happy. That's what its function is. If the if I believe I'm going to get cancer, the function of the mind is to manifest the behavior to give me cancer. So the whole idea is, what the hell's the picture? <laughs> Still goes back to day one when we started talking, but uh, the, the whole idea about it is very simply this. You can change using repetition, and it's habituation. That's what it's called. New behavior, make it a habit. Uh, and a third way is involves something called super learning, uh, and uh, maybe you've seen somebody who does, who uses super learning read a book where they just open it up and take their finger and move it down the page as fast mm -hmm. as I just moved that they read all the words and they turn a page and they read the next and they turn the page and they can read a book in about ten minutes or something like that. That's super mm -hmm. learning. If you engage that super learning process, you can download new behaviors in matters of minutes. 10, 15 minutes, you can get a whole new behavior. So, um, uh, and I have on my website, so make it easy for people, about 20 plus different uh, versions or modalities of energy psychology. Uh, BruceLipton.com, very simple, BruceLipton.com. Lots of articles and interviews and videos and stuff that we've been talking about are free on that website. But the article in resources, it's uh, called Belief uh, Modification uh, processes under resources, and uh, uh, there are about 20-plus different modalities to use energy psychology. So uh, I, uh, I have to close scene, but before I do that, I need to say this. So what is my program? What, what are my programs? How do I know what my programs are? Why? Well, they started before I was born. I was being programmed last trimester of pregnancy, and I was uh, being programmed through the first seven years. So if I say, so what program did I get when I was zero? <laughs> what program did I get when I was one? Uh -uh, I don't know. What, uh, two. Nah, don't really know that one either. Three. I might start to think of something, but I don't really know. Okay. So problem. You want to change your program. What are your programs? <laughs> so that's the first step. So I said, well, here's how you can tell what you're, what you need to do. 95% of the day, your life is controlled by the subconscious program. So the simple point is your life is a printout of your programs. Simple. Mm. All you have to do is look at your life and simple, divide it this way. The things you like and want and desire, and when they come into your life and they come into your life, you have a program that acknowledges that part of your life. But here's the one. Anything you desire, wish for, but you have to struggle over, you have to work hard for it, you have to sweat over it, you have to put a lot of effort in trying to get there. And I say, what's your struggle due to? And the answer is simply this. Whatever that destination is, it's not supported by the program. That's basically it. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're looking for a relationship? Oh, guess what? You got a program not lovable. That's, that's, that's your program at that point, okay? Uh, if you have an issue trying to make money, uh, guess what? That's a program as well. There's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It basically says what? If you come from a rich family, you're going to make money no matter how stupid you are. Again, a poor person will have great desire to make a lot of money and they'll struggle all their life and they'll never get rich. And the mm. reason is this, they were programmed to be either poor or they were programmed to be rich before consciousness kicked in. And then 95% of the day they pay the program whether they 
have any conscious awareness of what the hell they're doing or not, President Trump. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see you're a fan, Bruce. That's uh, good to know. <laughs> oh I'm a resident okay. of New Zealand. Oh, I'm a resident. New Zealand, I'm very safe in this world. <laughs> uh, we, I can say that uh, Ladies Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki is certainly on our bookshelves. So uh, if yes. you wonder, you know, why you can't break those habits and patterns, I think uh, Dr. Lipton here is probably already opened Pandora's box there for you, which is just extraordinary. <laughs> um I don't want to stop. <laughs> this is just amazing. And I, I feel like Andrew and I are both students again. Like if you could see the screen, ladies, you'd see us both leading in, like, and Bruce's animation goes <laughs> yeah. up and we're like leading in. I feel like I'm, I'm, you know, uh, the student again, which I just I love being in that well, place. I, I'm the student every day. I say it myself because yeah. I'm the one that has to listen to this. And I'm the one that what it's interesting because I uh, was, I had all this knowledge in my conscious mind through the research I did. Mm. And once I understood, oh my God, you can create this most fabulous life if you understand this information, I wanted to tell people, oh, I couldn't wait. Come on, come on in, let me tell you about how you can create this most fabulous life. And after I start to lecture at some point, they go, yeah, you know, Lipton, your life doesn't look that good for a guy who says you know how to do this. So <laughs> nobody really paid attention. And then I realized, oh my God, I'm conscious of what to do, but my programs don't support what I want to do. Um, and then the next level was, well, I have to now change my program to test my own words. I can't just say words and say, oh, that's great. You do it. I won't. You know, it's like that can't work. So the, the next part was to verify to myself, which, mm -hmm. thank God, the universe responded virtually instantaneously once mm -hmm. I started to apply the knowledge. So my point now for just closing with that is this knowledge is really great and it's in your conscious mind because your conscious mind is what's downloading all the stuff we're talking about right here but it's not in your subconscious program so and the issue is most people think if my conscious mind becomes aware of it then my course my subconscious should also be connected and be aware and i go two separate entities conscious mind could be super smart and the subconscious mind super stupid at the mm. same time mm. they don't connect so whatever you just learned in your conscious mind, by definition, did not go in to the subconscious. You actually have to, as we talked about near the end, you you got to change the program. And then we say, well, you can see the program by just looking at your life. What is it you really want to change? If it's a relationship issue, there's all kinds of self-help programs for you know making relationships or money or health. Uh, every level of our life is controlled by this. And, and so basically... Uh, now we become aware, that's nice, but if we don't make that awareness, subconscious habituation or programming, it's probably not going to manifest. Yeah, amazing. Now I have to ask it's because I'm... Mic <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so curious. So back in the 60s when you had this stem cell research and this kind of turned your world upside down, what did you go into the classroom and tell your students? <laughs> <laughs> I left the university <laughs> uh, they wouldn't have believed I, I, you <laughs> I, I resigned my position at some point because i realized the curriculum that i was supposed to teach does not match my understanding as my science revealed and that it wasn't an artifact because i could reproduce the experiment every day i could tell you what was going to happen before i did the experiment so basically it said this this is not an action this is a an understanding but my colleagues at that time 
we're so engaged in genetics that the idea that it's not genetics uh, was oh, out of here, Lipton. So uh, I did. I got out of there. Wow. But then I ended up ended up at Stanford yeah. later after I had some insight into the mechanisms of how this could work because showing them how it worked didn't say how it worked. And that's where they kept going, well, how does it work? And I go, well, I'm showing you. Figure it out. <laughs> so I had to go figure it out and then came back to Stanford and uh, had some wonderful research experiences at Stanford, uh, uh, expanding on even the same stuff I just talked about. Amazing. Oh, that is so amazing. Yeah. Um, well, Bruce, I have, I just have one really quick last question because this always, I find this so fascinating. I remember one day you were talking about, um, if you were going to eat, say a McDonald's cheeseburger, yeah. And in that moment, you thought that that was the absolute best thing for you, then that is how your body would receive it. Whereas if you were eating it and going, oh, I shouldn't be eating it, I shouldn't be eating it, the effects are not good. Can you explain that, please? Well, basically, yeah, because remember, your thought is being t turned into a uh, chemistry by the brain. Mm -hmm. If my thought is I'm going to be healthy now, then my brain chemistry is going to engage all the hormones and all the factors that are necessary to enhance my body's growth and my body's maintenance. But if I send the picture that I'm going to get sick from doing this, well, then the brain says, oh, you want sickness? I, I can give you I can give you any sickness. Just give me the picture of what you want. I'll make it for you. So the idea is if you look at something and go, oh, this is horrible. I'm going to eat it. I go, that was not a good idea. <laughs> Uh, and even if it was horrible and you ate it, but you were thinking like very positive thoughts and, uh, and I use a video, uh, that I, I got from uh, discovery TV, uh, this shows people down in the South in the U S working themselves up into religious ecstasy, speaking in tongues, weird stuff and all that playing with poisonous, uh, snakes, uh, and showing that even if they got bit their belief in God is protecting them. They call that, uh, testifying. Testifying is you do something no normal person in their right mind would ever think of doing. And you do it because you know God is going to protect you. So you handle these poisonous snakes and most of the time, no problem. The video I show is some of them drink strychnine poison in toxic doses with the firm belief that God will protect them. Not, it's not 99% belief. It's like... 100% belief. <laughs> you can't yeah. have a, the slightest doubt. And they drink the strychnine poison, and guess what? No harmful effects. I go, well, what the hell does that mean? I said, well, I drank the strychnine poison. I go, when you put something in your gut, in your mouth, it, the, between your mouth and your anus is a pipe. It's open at one end, mouth coming in, other end, stuff going out. I say, it's a pipe. So why is it relevant? Anything you swallowed, did not come into the body until it crosses mm. through the wall of the pipe. So the idea is this, you could eat garbage, you could eat nothing. I don't know, it's not really relevant to eat really because we can get energy out of the environment, uh, breatharians, okay? Mm. Uh, and, and the relevance about that is you could put toxic stuff in your stomach, but if you have no vision of that ever being involved in your biology, then there's no reason why biology would take it across the pipe and put it inside. It'll just go out the other end. So basically, uh, you have to recognize it, it's not that so much the contents of the diet. It's as you brought up before. It's 
your thoughts of the diet as you're engaged in that diet. That's the important yes. part. Uh, and this is interesting because when they started labeling cigarette packages that this will kill you and this will give you cancer, this puts when people are smoking with, look what it says on the package, I'm going to get cancer. It's like, Jesus, that was <laughs> God. If you want to smoke, don't read that label because that label puts the image in that the smoke might then generate uh, that toxic response. Uh, and the smoking yeah. kills. The, well, not really. I wouldn't do it. Uh, but basically, there are people that smoke 100 years and they never got any adverse effects from it. Again, it has to do with the stress levels you're in at any time. Can you handle stressors such as the smoke or the toxins? Can you handle stressors is how much stress can you handle? That's the point. Wowzers. <laughs> uh, Bruce, uh, this was absolutely amazing. Um, I, I'm a little bit um, speechless now, <laughs> which is just incredible. And I'm so glad that we are going to have this as, you know, a resource in our library so that we can go back to it again and again. Um, I would just like to say on behalf of Ashley and I, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. And we know that our listeners would have got so much out of this and we're so grateful and honoured to have you here with us. So thank you for your genius no, and no, for, you know, being thank, so thank gracious you. with your time. I want to thank you because I can sit here in my house right now and have talked to a lot of people without even getting up from the dining room table. So uh, <laughs> thank you very much for giving me an opportunity to interface uh, an audience that is looking to take power back in their lives because in this time of chaos uh, we need to have that power back otherwise just the fear of what's going on in the world uh, can promote any disease and and the idea is now I need people to be powerful now create that heaven on earth take that red pill fall in love uh, and realize what happened the moment you stop playing the program was the moment you manifest heaven so what's the point heaven's always here as soon as we're ready not to play the program, we can have it. That's the game. Oh, I think that that's such a beautiful um, sort of message to end on. Oh, but before we go, I do have a quick one. Bruce, I had a little read on your website. and You've got some retreats and things coming up. I would love you to oh. tell our listeners how are they going to immerse themselves in this mind-bending new world that you've just opened up to them? What, uh, where can they go? <laughs> what can they do? Because I know that it's very tempting for me to jump on a plane right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, on the website is um, uh, it says events, and yes. they have a listing. They have most of them. I'll be in New Zealand, of course, and uh, I always set up some events that are not set yet because I go to New Zealand every uh, December through May. Ooh. And while I'm there, I put programs on. So sometime uh, around that time, it will if it's not on a calendar now, there will be some New Zealand events uh, listed at that time. But other country events are on, on the calendar, but there will be New Zealand when I get there. Brilliant, because I think live and in person and, you know, really connecting with uh, spoken word and uh, reconnecting the soul to, you know, all the things you're talking about is probably one of the most powerful and life-changing experiences. I know that we always encourage people to go live when they can, you know, when they're not sitting in the car listening to us on earlier, get to events, you know, get to, <laughs> to places where they can, like you said, you know, love attracts love, fill themselves with the people around them that are raising those vibrations and uh i can i can already know that a room with you <laughs> will have the vibrations to change lives so thank you again we really uh had such an amazing time chatting to you today thank you thank you both so very much
Okay, so ladies, if you want to know more, please go to brucelipton.com. Make sure that you get at least a copy of his book, uh, The Biology of Belief. Um, it is on our bookshelf at the practice as well if you want to steal it from there, and it is absolutely amazing. Um, ladies, we hope that you've loved this episode. Uh, please give us some feedback. Please let us know what came up for you that really struck a chord. You can communicate with us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women, or on Instagram, uh, The Wellness Women official uh, we would love to see your five-star ratings on itunes as well because that's what we're manifesting absolutely <laughs> um, and ladies until next week be well this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.